Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bite Size Bio. So welcome to episode 57, in which we'll be talking about how to come up with new ideas for the betterment of science and yourself. So Ken, where do new ideas come from, or where do ideas come from? Well, it's a mystery, isn't it? Because you know what? Ideas just tend to show up. <laughs> now, we've, we've talked about this uh, a bit in the past. In fact, I will reference you to the show notes to... Take a look for episode 33, where we talked about how to foster imagination. And you know, the reason for that is that's where a lot of ideas come from, your imagination. Um, so it's worth, it's worth looking into that, because imagination is part of the process. It's just part of the process. Um, and you can get very personal about this, like, I have to come up with ideas. You should come up with ideas. It's good if you can come up with ideas. But don't put yourself under too much pressure. It's a it's a collaborative world out there. There's a lot of a lot of directions that ideas can come from, and they can come from from places you weren't expecting. They can come from other industries. They can come from other aspects of your life. Um, they and you can get surprised about that. And we've all we've all done this. You you ever been in a situation when you're looking at something and goes. You know, that reminds me of when grandma used to make donuts, you know, <laughs> or that reminds me of when I helped dad change the oil on the car, you know, uh, or that reminds me of something I did in sixth grade. Uh, we will see patterns in the world. And if we, uh, if we step back a little bit, if we, if we take a little bit of pressure off ourselves, take a breath, um, ideas can come from all over the place and in many different directions. And in so, fact, you're, so you, you sound ahead. like you're talking about something like stepping into a sort of flow scenario, you know, yeah. Where, yeah, where you're just allowing them to come to you rather than trying to make them happen, almost. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there are some settings where, you know, nose to the grindstone and you can make things happen. And that's fine. Um, but you don't always have to do it that way. And sometimes that way isn't working. And so you got to back up. Now, you, you just comment on this idea of the flow state. Um, if you can get there, that's great. But it's not always possible. Sometimes you just, you don't have access to that flow for whatever reason. So you, you got to cut yourself some slack and use what's available to you in the moment. Because uh, it's, you know, different, different situations, different circumstances will give you different opportunities. 
and we've all had those moments where we just felt super creative and it, it's just was pouring out before. Um, sometimes ideas are coming so fast we could barely keep track. We were worried, in fact, that we were going to forget our good ideas because we got onto the next one. And, you know, well, those things happen too. It's fine. But um, it's, as you get more um, experienced and more erudite at this, you will start to control things a little better. You'll have, you'll, you'll start to see patterns of the last time I got a good idea, the last few times, this was the circumstance. And so uh, it, it puts, puts to mind this idea of, well, how do you summon ideas? And, you know, you're not the first person in the world that's had to have ideas. <laughs> um, so other people have done it before you and they develop some patterns that work. And, and some of this is in, you know, there are, there are books coming out all the time. There are podcasts and there are YouTube channels that talk about this. But I, I want to reference a book that we've talked about in the past, and it's an old book. You know, it's, it's over 100 years old. It's was called Think and Grow Rich. Um, and that grow rich part is not just about grow rich monetarily. It's about having a rich life. But in that book, it was, it was someone who was basically a, a journalist who interviewed some of the most successful people in the world at the time. And this is, this is the, the time of the industrial age. We're talking about Andrew Carnegie and Thomas Edison, you know, people of that caliber. And he had, because of what he did, he got access to these people and he got a chance to talk to them about their processes. And he got a chance to talk to people, uh, you know, like Henry Ford you know, and, and Charles Schwab. And it, so, some ways these are storied names in history and some of them were not necessarily nice people. <laughs> However, they did get certain things done and you know, you don't have to become uh, what some of them were to use their processes. So I think about in that book, thinking or rich that you talked about Thomas Edison and how he came up with ideas and Thomas Edison was, was is still renowned as an inventor. You know, he invented the light bulb. The invention of the light bulb is like the, it's, it is the story we use for coming up with new ideas. Literally, a light bulb over someone's head is what we think of as a new idea <laughs> popping up. But he had a very, he had a very specific method. And I, uh, and I'm not going to go into it. Y'all read the book. And it's kind of fun to read because, I mean, a book that's written that long ago, I mean, it's still written in English, and I, my apologies to those of you who are English is in your first language, but um, it's it's a little different than today's English. It's still very understandable. I mean, this is not Shakespeare. It's not Chaucer, you know, <laughs> but it's but it's it's charming in its own way, and so that helps make it entertaining besides. And, you know, it's a little more up-to-date than, say, Charles Dickens, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's not like reading reading the newspaper today. It's not like it's not like watching CNN or Fox News, you know. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Definitely worth the read. <laughs> there you go. But uh, so he, he had a specific method for summoning ideas. We were literally when he had, he had a problem with no idea what to do about it. Well, the, then he did a certain set of things to get ideas, and it really worked for him. And he wasn't the only one like that. There, there, there are account there are in in that book and other books by the same author. There are, are other accounts of um, 
of other people like that in their methods. So the, the author's name is Napoleon Hill, by the way. And again, you know, Amazon's going to have all this stuff. <laughs> I remember from that book, there's one, I can't remember who it was, but someone had the, I had the method of having a council of people that he thought in his own, in his imagination. So you would have like, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln and, uh, you know, Einstein, whoever he thought would be, you know, um, the, the people he would want to have in his council to think about that, uh, you know, to, to, to bounce an idea or bounce the problem around. And, and he would, you know, just allow his imagination to, to tell him what each of these people would say. And of course, the function of that is to, to just give you, to make you think through different lenses because Einstein will come at it one way, Abraham Lincoln will come at it another way. And, and you know, if your mother is in there or whatever, she'll come at it another way or something like that. Then that so, but that's just one method. But yeah, there's quite a few methods mentioned in that book as far as I remember. It's been a while since I read yeah. it. But. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's not a long book. You know, it's, it's less than 200 pages. You know. So it's worth looking at. And, and by the way, go on YouTube and put in Think and Grow Rich, and you're going to hear all kinds of stories from people talking about applications of this book and this method that have been used now for, you know, decades and decades very successfully. However, if you look so, on YouTube, it's mostly about people thinking that it means that you go on that and you're going to be, this is how to become a millionaire. Which that is one possible outcome, but it's not the it's it's as you said it's not the it's not the it wasn't the, the main point of the book at all. No, it wasn't the yeah. point of the book, but that's what everyone latches onto. So don't be put off by that if you find <laughs> what you see on YouTube is ninety nine percent about that. Yeah, and by the way, if you also want to get rich as a scientist, go ahead. That's fine. Yeah, but it's just it's not the only thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now that's just one set of things you can look at for summoning ideas, but part of it is your environment. And so there's some things to think about. Um, one of the one of the things that that popped up for me was the the issue of ambient noise. I, mean, I think I can't get anything. I can't get any ideas because I can't think because it's too loud around here. There's too much commotion. And there's something to that. There is a sweet spot for ambient noise. Some people actually don't do well with silence. <laughs> and there, and uh, I have a note to a. Uh, to a, uh, a study that was done on this about about noise. Um, and it was entitled, Is Noise Always Bad? Exploring the Effects of Ambient Noise on Creative, Creative Cognition from Ox Oxford University Press. And it's, a, it's, it's an interesting read. And what the, the conclusion that they came to was that a certain amount of background noise, not overwhelming noise, but a, a certain amount causes you to have to pay attention. Because now, now you have to make an effort. If everything is silent, you, you know you can you you can float off in all kinds of directions. But if there's a little bit of noise where you have to pay attention, um, that's helpful. And so, I mean, it goes both ways. There's there's the amount of noise that'll allow you to focus, and then there's the amount of noise that'll allow you to be creative. Um, and they're they're somewhat different. But we, but they're both useful when it comes to ideas. Sometimes focus is the answer. Sometimes creativity is the answer. Um, so you can use that. And people do this where there's some people they can't work unless there's unless there's a radio on or music playing. Uh, some people always have a television on in the background. Now I personally I find that terribly distracting. 
In fact, uh, in that study, they found that if you're constantly around human conversation in the background, it's distracting. And the worst kind of human conversation is somebody else on the phone where you can only hear one side of it. Because <laughs> now you're now you're theorizing about what the other person is saying instead of hearing it. But, you know, so it's something to look at. Now, if you have some control over that, that is the answer. Now, maybe if you can go to you can go and close the door in a room. Um, if you can get away from from certain sounds that you find are distracting you, well, take note of that. Look look at what you can and cannot do. Uh, and I realize this might not be totally in your charge. Maybe you're in a noisy environment. That's just how it is. Um, but uh, you, you may find there are certain things you can do. You can put on you can put on noise canceling headphones. You can. <laughs> Put in earplugs. You can you can do certain things. You can turn up a little sound close to you. You can get a white noise generator in in your cubicle, you know, kind of thing. Um, there, if you if you decide to solve this problem, you'll come up with stuff. And you know, here I'm just I'm just riffing right now, listing things off that you can do. I didn't even plan any of that. Where did those ideas come from? You know, <laughs> well, it's because I was open to them. You know. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, being open to an idea is, you know, uh, feels like that's the way to, you know, you just kind of allow them to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what if you want to have, you know, what if you need to come up with an idea? How, you know, when you have that kind of imperative of, sure. uh, you know, you need to come up with an, an idea for a specific thing, like, what well, material to that, use for a light bulb? Then what would well, how would yeah. how does that work? Well, I I think the the these thoughts on ambient noise are one of the answers. Is like look at your physical environment and make it as conducive as possible. Sound is part of it. Other things could be temperature. Is it too cold where you are, or is it too warm? And that that comes down to to what you find is working for you personally. Now. I remember I went looking for this and I could not find it. I read a study way back in the day and, you know, might've been 30 years ago about how if you increase the temperature of your brain by one degree, you become far more creative. And people were, you know, I've tried to do this in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it's just take a hot shower and put your head into the shower. And oh boy, the ideas are flowing. Try it out sometime. You know, that's what works for out. me. That's what yeah. works for me. <laughs> yeah, some people that's realize that if they go run, you know, or some, you know, some kind, they get on a treadmill, something where they don't have to think about it, but they're, they're something you do physically, they don't have to think about, um, and that helps. And because I've noticed like something, if I can't go, I can't go walk in the woods. Um, it's too distracting for me. There's too much to see. That doesn't work for me, but I know other people that that is the zone for them. Um, some people, um, they can, you know, they can go on a bike ride, but for me, I have to pay attention so I don't fall down. <laughs> um, but, but uh, getting on a treadmill, yeah, I could, that, that, I could do that for hours. Without Seriously, treadmills, you really have to pay attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, well, but, you know, well, then, you know, it could be a stationary bike, something where you're sitting okay. down, and you're not going to have to worry about falling off. But, you know, my point is you, you, you got to figure out what is the, 
the environment for you. Um, another thing that matters, that really matters, is lighting. You know, we are very light driven. I mean, if you think about how the how the eye develops, it's one of the first things that develops in an embryo, and in fact, it it develops as a part of the brain, and then it separates from the brain um, very early on. It stays connected, obviously, but it becomes a separate entity. But we are very, very light-oriented, uh, you know, as as biological creatures. You know, it's not just a human thing, and so it it matters the quality of light that you have. And you know, if you're if it's too dark where you are, you're going to find your ideas are suppressed. Now, I'm not talking about being glaring light, but natural light is the best. Something that mimics natural light is the next best. Um, being under harsh fluorescent lights is not great. Being in shadows and is not great. So again, start to control that environment to the degree you can. And I realize for some of you, you, you may look at this and go, man, I'm not in charge of this lab. I'm just, I just work here. Uh, you know, um, I, I can't do a lot about that. Yeah, but you know what? You can bring a lamp in. You can, you can do something like that. You yeah if you maybe you can't you're not in charge of the thermostat in the lab but you can put on a sweater you know <laughs> you know you there's things you can do about that noise you like i men, mentioned earlier you can there are certain things you can do to control the noise in your local local environment when i say local i mean really close to you take charge of your own space and and start to to foster that as a social idea Talk about it. Talk to other people. Say, hey, you know what you can do? You can get these white noise machines. I got one for for ten bucks on on Amazon. And it's really great, you know. And now I don't I don't hear people chattering on the phone in the next cubicle over, and it makes all the difference for me. You know, start to present it as a positive thing, not like, oh, we have this terrible environment. No wonder nobody can come up with any good ideas around here. You know, don't don't be there. Be the person who is looking to solve that problem. And you know, when you start talking about it, and people are gonna tell you what they're doing. And they're gonna go, well, I do this and I do that, you know, or I avoid this or I avoid that. And that might set some triggers off for you of things you can do. And that's part of the whole idea process too, is look for those, look for things that trigger ideas. You know, that's a, that's a means of accelerating the process. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. Yeah, trigger it. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the key. Is once you see, once you notice that pattern for yourself of things that trigger right. ideas, then then uh, you can repeat. You can rinse and repeat. Right. I guess that's for me. It's uh, well, rinse and repeat literally because the shower is the one that works for me. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So, so so can the can. Uh, what you want, can that ex accelerate the process of idea generation? Oh my, yeah. Wants and needs really do, really do impact it. Now you can, 
you can get yourself in a negative loop of where you just want something um, to happen. And what, what you do to yourself is you put yourself in want. You create, you create being in want and you're going to naturally want to stay there. It's going to, it's going to be self-propagating. But a better way to look at it is to say, well, what, what are my deepest desires here? Um, and, and I understand that you have a problem to solve and you're like, well, I'd hardly call this my deepest desire. This is just something I have to do at work. Yeah, but for this moment, it's something that matters to you. You care about the outcome. And so apply that, apply that um, as uh, it greases the wheels. Let's put it that way. Instead of like, oh, I have to come up with an idea. I have got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, oh, that kind of that kind of outlook is not going to feed creativity. It's not going to it's not going to allow you to see ideas because if your attitude is I can't come up with an idea, when an idea shows up, you'll dismiss it before you even examine it. You know, whereas if like you know, I really want I really want to come up with a solution here, and then something comes to you, and maybe it's not the perfect solution. Maybe it doesn't even get you there. But it gets you started. So allow that. Start start engaging with ideas like, man, I have to solve this problem. Well, I could do this. Well, that sure wouldn't work. However, you know, <laughs> um, you know, okay, this that's a thought. Oh, well, that's a wonder. Well, how can I expand on that? How can I how can I add to that? What does that remind me of? What what could it take me to next? Because sometimes the the thing that is the solution doesn't involve your first idea at all. Um, it's just your first idea led to your second idea, which led to your third idea, which led to your solution. So don't denigrate the, those days of small beginnings, as, uh, as some prophet once said, you know, the, the days of small beginnings are, are the first seedling ideas and don't dismiss them, you know, show some respect for the ideas that come to you and don't denigrate yourself. Like, oh, that was stupid. You know, like, no, it wasn't stupid. It was better than no idea. So, and you know, that takes you to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. The other thing about it is, um, if, if you have an idea and you think about it from a quality standpoint, you think, well, that's not a very high quality idea. Well, it's not, it's not going to improve in quality until you give it some attention. Sometimes something that isn't a high quality idea will become a high quality idea if you give it attention. So a lot of the ideas that come in, even the ones that seem like poor ideas, give them some attention. They bother to show up, show them some respect <laughs> and see what they might grow into. You know, it's like the, that old, uh, that old, old fable about the ugly duckling. You look at that ugly duckling and it's just so, it's so gangly and stupid looking and all. Well, one day it grows into a, it's not actually a duckling, it's a swan, you know, <laughs> um, and a swan is beautiful and graceful. Well, if you just dismiss every ugly duckling that comes by, you're never going to have a swan and uh, you're never going to have a, never going to have a chance. Well, why not? So check things out, spend some time with things. So what, what that calls to mind then is, well, I'm going to have to learn how to assess ideas. 
So how do you uh, how do you assess an idea? So you get that first harebrained notion. So what do you do with that? Any thoughts on that, Nick? Talk to other people about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Associated with other things, like what is this similar to? What if what has this been used successfully for in the past? Has anybody else tried this? What happened when they tried it? What did, what what was the result? And even if the result was terrible, well, why wasn't that result? How did exactly. that happen? Yeah. You know, because because sometimes the idea itself wasn't a problem; the application was a problem. Sometimes the implementation was a problem. Uh, sometimes the results were aberrant. You know, uh, sometimes it was bad luck and, you know, it's worth another shot. <laughs> um, so when you have an idea, you got to you gotta first not judge it. You know, the, this notion of judgment, when I, I talk about judging, I don't mean assessing. You know, obviously assessing is very useful, but judgment is when you assess things um, in a moralistic way and in a negative way like well that's stupid yeah criticizing yourself yeah yeah so easy to be critical of yourself i noticed my kids doing that you know and i, I as in they'll criticize their younger self mm. when they see a picture <laughs> of them doing something when they were younger oh my god how can you do that it's like no that little guy was having a great time <laughs> you know just right. leave him leave him alone <laughs> but it's it's just a, it's almost like a knee jerk as a human to do that isn't it to Sure. To criticize whatever comes in front of you and to belittle even yourself. Right. So maybe and, you especially know, it may yourself. Maybe too that, that people that you love and respect criticized you in the past and they did it with the best of intentions. But, you know, because I, I remember when I was five years old, I'm in a restaurant with my parents and it was a sit down restaurant. This was not McDonald's. This was, this was some, you know, it was a steakhouse, not a, not a high end steakhouse, but, you know, an entry-level steakhouse, and I dripped something on my clothes. Now, I was, you know, I was dressed in my Sunday best because that's why we're out, you know. And my father came down like, "Oh, look at you! You messed up your shirt." And and I remember thinking at the time, "I have got to stop this." Now, I he wasn't saying that to me like you're, you know, you're five years old. You should be better than that. <laughs> he was just noting this is what happened. But I took it as like, I have to fix this, you know? <laughs> and I did after that, and I became very persnickety, but I, I lost some enjoyment too. I found I, I didn't enjoy a lot of food because I was so focused on not dripping on myself. And some food should be dripped on you. <laughs> That's half the and, fun. You know, it's a, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, this is true of, of the things that you're doing in your work too. Sometimes, sometimes things need to blow up. <laughs> You know, it has to happen. Now, I'm not talking about burning down the lab, but you know, you can you can break a few things every once in a while. You know, a beaker can get dropped. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of veer kind of into another direction because this is a little bit of a worry that people have, especially in a world where you have to publish. And that is, how do you differentiate between being inspired by someone and plagiarizing them? So. In fact, I kind of want to throw that one to you first, Nick, see what you have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, the, yeah, if it's plagiar, there's, there's two different ways to, to use someone else's idea. And 
One is to copy it, which is obviously plagiarism. And there's another one to kind of riff off of it and to make it, to take it into another area, another, um, you know, into, into a parallel application, if you like. And, you know, it's, in science, it can be, you know, you, you notice that you, you're reading someone's study from a, from a, studying a different system, different organism or a different problem or whatever. And they use a, they use an approach that you go, I could apply that here, you know, to, to my, uh, pro, my problem and, you know, and see what happens there. And obviously that's not plagiarism. That That's, that's just being, you know, riffing off someone else's idea, but that's just one very obvious kind of transplant of a of a process to another, another to look, use it to look at another problem. But there's plenty of things that, uh, like bite size bio itself, was a new idea for this space, but it wasn't the only how to blog that was ever made. You know, it wasn't the first. I took an inspiration from. Uh, some from other blogs that I saw, Life Hacker and things like that. But I didn't. I didn't copy them. I, you know. So I think that inspiration is a really great source of ideas, and it's one that I use quite a lot. And I, I think that's that. It's quite a um, an obvious line for me, anyway. Most of the time, about that, you know, you're just using that. If you're using that idea as a springboard. Or the other person's idea is a springboard to, to another one, then it's quite obviously not plagiarism. What would you say? Well, I, I was I was thinking, you know, there's you're in somewhat of a unique environment in science in this regard, in that uh, it's not just you do science, but you often report on science also, and so you're writing papers and you're you're putting up articles, so it. Of course, there's a collaborative world out there, and, and you're standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, but there is a, a mechanism for giving attribution, you know, where you call out, "This is where this started. I saw this paper by so and so," or here we're drawing on on the conclusions drawn by you know Dr. Meta about about noise and and how to how to use ambient noise for promoting creativity you know i i comment on that i i and they even put a link to it here um and that's just for what we're doing you know i comment on napoleon hill and put a link to his book you know um but you can use the opportunity to give attribution to take you lots of places and and i think sometimes people they're reticent to give attribution because they're worried that they're going to look like well I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to, I'm going to look like, Oh, I couldn't do anything myself. Like, man, don't be afraid to give people credit. Gee. Well, obviously also don't feel yourself that you've, you've ever done anything yourself because the fact that you, <laughs> you that you even have the, the time to sit and think about an idea is because of all the things that other people have done to make it that you have that free time, you know? Yeah. I, I wondered why you were laughing there for a minute. <laughs> oh yeah. I admit the truth. There is nothing new under the sun, you know? Um, and we're all, we're all building up things that already were thought of by other people. And, and, and well, that's what we want. And in fact, you know, you're going to find you get attribution. 
people are going to start referring to your work because you came up with something that was the next step. Awesome. Just be part of that chain and understand it is a never ending thing. I think that's a great way to think about it is that, that your idea doesn't have to be something groundbreaking. It has to be the, it's the next step. It's the next step in, a, in, a, in, in the 3D growth of this idea, you know, uh, the central, central idea. And, you know, if you think about it, songwriting, for example, so it's kind of like an ever-growing blob. It's not, it's not, um, you know, the, or the, the sort of world library of songs, if you like, is kind of like an ever-growing blob. Each song is related to another. There's some overlap. Um, there's nothing that you could say is, is, you know, is absolutely on its own. You can say there's some things that were the first that were in the center, um, but nothing even those things were connected to things that happened before i mean there will be obviously you go back far enough there's going to be something that was the originator some guy plucking one string some person plucking one string well sure I mean, you know i mean there was there was kind of a crisis about that in music when when uh, george harrison got sued for copyright infringement for my sweet lord because it sounded similar to she's so fine and it was similar and he lost the case and it was bad but then the music industry developed this system for giving attribution and songwriting credits. And sometimes you'll see a song that'll say, that'll show all these credits. You're like, how did these people ever work together? Well, they didn't. It was that somebody else had already written a song that had a certain sound in it, a certain riff in it that was similar to this. So they get credit and it worked out, you know, because I mean, this is a crisis for the, for that industry at one point, but now it's like, don't worry about it. We're, you're going to write whatever you write, and then the people that investigate this stuff will look around and see if there's any other songs out there that should get credited. They will, and and that's that. So, you know, <laughs> and and the same thing is happening in science now, too. You, the, obviously, there's sometimes there is an arms race when it comes to coming up with a solution for a certain thing. But, uh, and often ideas are... are uh, are are discovered about the same time sometimes Weirdly. yeah, <laughs> yeah in different parts of the world people that aren't talking to each other sometimes they're out they're actually researching in different languages but and you know that's not an uncommon phenomenon that's been that's actually been looked at pretty extensively now so but at any rate and one of the things i wanted to to, to finish up with here is you know the, the title is how to come up with new ideas for the betterment of science and yourself so i'm not just talking about the betterment of yourself and your career opportunities and your opportunity to to get credit but how to make your personal life better yeah if you get good at getting ideas in the lab you're going to get good at getting ideas outside of the lab and it's going to influence everything and it's all you know there are no compartments here if if you can come up with an idea in the lab you can come up with an idea to help your kids you can come up with an idea to help your community or to, to help your family, you know, or to help your own health or your own happiness. So this is, this is a great skill to have. And so you want to foster it. You want to get good at it. You want to talk to other people about it, learn what they are doing, what's working for them, and also to help them mentor other people and, and, and support other people in what they do. So, I any think, anything else you want to add? Yeah, what strikes me is looking at you know the overview of what you're you're saying there is it's it's 
in, in a lot of ways, it's more about getting out of your own way. You know, you, ideas come to you. You create the conditions. You, you you sort of set the the mindset. You set the direction, and the ideas just come to you. Your brain is an idea machine, and um, and a lot, a lot of the times, it's about getting out of the way and just letting them come. And you know, rather than getting frustrated, and writer's block is trying to force that, or you know, songwriter's block is trying to force that um, idea to come, and getting frustrated, and then and sort of disrupting it, and. So that's one way I would look at it is is look at what Ken has said there to you know to figure out the parameters that you can use to allow those ideas to come to you. Uh, again, as I said, for me it's the shower or whatever, but it's uh, it's the same for everyone. Uh, everyone it's different for everyone. Um, respect those ideas when they come, and discuss them with people because then that helps to flesh them out and make them real for you, depending on what you know. It could be a small idea or a big idea. You know, if it's a big idea, you need more to give yourself more confidence in it, maybe, or 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 give it more investigation. But also allow the environment to help shape you. You know, that's where you know riffing off things that you see, you know, parallels that you see, other songs that you hear. If you're writing songs and stuff like that, but be fair about it. You know when it's plagiarism. And so, or, or when it, you know, when it's uh, when you need to attribute someone else, you know, you need to give someone credit, and so don't don't take it for yourself. And don't be afraid to have the conversation with yourself. There, there's bad jokes about people who talk to themselves. Go ahead and talk to yourself. Maybe don't do it out loud. Don't call yourself Napoleon, but you know, because <laughs> yeah. that is one of the ways you can flush things out. Yeah, great. Okay. This is a really good idea, this this episode, yeah. Ken. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, thanks to everyone for uh, listening in. Just uh, as you know, you can get uh, the notes for this uh, episode, which is number 57. Uh, and there you would talk about the main, you know, there's the headlines of the main things that we talked about today, plus links out to the books and studies that Ken mentioned in this uh, episode. So thank you all for joining us and we'll see you all again next time. All right. Thanks, Doug. Thank you for listening to the Happy Scientist podcast, helping you to become a happier, healthier, and more productive scientist. To get more Happy Scientist podcast episodes and all of our downloadables, please go to bitesizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist, all one word. And in particular, you might want to spend some time on episodes one to nine, where we talk about the foundational principles of human needs, core mindsets, and charisma factors, which we refer to in many episodes. You can also hook up with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the happy scientist podcast, all one word, to get latest episodes and additional material. We hope to see you there. Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. 
Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist Reference Pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.